0: professors fm doug as you know we have joined the professors fm podcast network so it's extremely exciting it's like for the first time in my life i'm gonna have academic friends this is big and as part of this we're gonna talk about some of the other shows on the network One of the things we talk a lot about in terms of sports analytics is the role of incentives, right? It's all about incentives. And so one of the other shows on the network analytics with mike lewis the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics here's your host mike lewis marketing professor at emory university okay welcome everyone welcome to the Analytics podcast brought to you by the emory marketing analytics center um much more content is always located at fandomanalytics.com my name is mike lewis and i am joined by doug battle how are you today doug how was your how was your holiday your holiday part one
1: yeah it was good mike uh first off my new york giants sitting at number one in the nfc east after thanksgiving weekend cowboys took a very L.
0: impressive um
1: yeah, very, four and seven, so they got that 36% winning percentage, and they are looking at a home playoff game <laughs> if they can stay in the spot that they're in. So just phenomenal, uh, especially without Saquon Barkley and uh, Daniel Jones getting hurt as well. So we got the Giants doing that, uh, Georgia Bulldogs got another, picked up another W that was expected, but, you know, it was a revenge game for Georgia. Um, uh, so good week for my teams. And then for sports as a whole, um, uh, not too many shuts shutdowns this week. Obviously we got a little Ohio state situation. Florida state continues their, um, issues with COVID, but as a whole, you know, we're, we're still getting lots of football, um, uh, basketballs on the brink college basketball that snuck up on us. That just came out of nowhere. My family pulls for Virginia. So they had a disappointing, upset loss to open the season. I know Kentucky was upset yesterday as well. So we got some some mid-majors making noise early in college basketball season. It's honestly just nice to have it back after losing March Madness.
0: Okay, so, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about this. Um, my favorite two leagues probably in, uh, in the fall season of football are the Big Ten and the NFC East. Um, I think <laughs> you said it all with the NFC East. Uh, yeah. Um, The Big Ten, there's some great storylines there. I mean, you know, Ohio State refusing to play the Illini, um, you know, sort of just waving that waving that probable probable defeat sets them up (laughs) for a, a really strange situation, potentially, if. And and I don't know how, you know, it's like Jim Harbaugh has obviously struggled at Michigan, and I don't know how hot that seat is. You know, maybe it has something to do with uh, Harbaugh's buyout. But Harbaugh could potentially, Michigan is actually in a position to keep Ohio State out of the college football playoff if they can simply not play the game.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a dream scenario for Michigan <laughs> because they have no chance of beating Ohio State, and everyone knows that. Um, but it's the first time in Harbaugh's tenure where they can actually not win by losing, but win by not playing. And a win, a win for Michigan in this sense is Ohio State not making the playoff, uh, not making the conference championship. And so, yeah, I think that's. I think Michigan has no incentive to play that
0: game. Mm, yeah, no, every incentive not to. It it is. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a story, which is a little bit strange. Given how big of a story COVID is in all aspects of life, but it does seem to be really taking a bite in terms of sports. You know, the um, you know, like the Steelers are playing. You know, well, when, when this airs, they will have played the Ravens last night. I think the Ravens are kind of decimated by COVID sitouts. Um, we've got all sorts of COVID issues throughout the world of sports but it seems like the adjustment is complete it's not a story anymore people are just going to keep moving forward
1: yeah mike i'm not gonna lie that sentence kind of tripped me out a little bit um it's like we're in the movie tenet i don't know if you've (laughs) seen that yet phenomenal film but uh talking about a game that happened tonight as the past (laughs) even though we haven't seen it yet (laughs) um yeah, Michigan State also another Big Ten storyline. Michigan State with their second upset of the year upsetting Northwestern, which is crazy that that's an upset, but uh, Northwestern was the favorite team in that one. Uh, so I personally, as a George fan, uh, Michigan State's head coach used to be RTC. And Dog fans love that guy. So it's always fun to see him get a win, see a little, little shake up in the Big Ten.
0: Well, what is the, you um, know, I'm good going to legitimately ask you what is the situation with the other college bowl games are all the bowl games playing this year i mean have you know rubbing salt in the wound but have the georgia fans resigned themselves to playing you know somewhere in florida on january 1st against someone like northwestern
1: as far as i know uh well i said i started to say things haven't been canceled there have been individual games that will be canceled um, like on their own validity so it's not something where like the NCAA decides okay no bowl games mm-hmm. but like I know the the pinstripe bowl decided you know we're not doing it this year um, so that these games and I guess their sponsors are deciding to to back off so we'll see how it unfolds but it's definitely not a widespread thing at this moment. Um, there's certainly plans at the moment for bowl games beyond just the playoff. I don't, Honestly, I don't really care about bowl games beyond the playoff. And so, like, I think fan interest is definitely down. And then it's even more down this year um, with sports interest kind of being down as a whole, as we've seen. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, and it's a... Uh... I think you used the word, but it's definitely a word on my mind after this last weekend, and we'll sort of get to this mm-hmm. topic in a little bit. But you know that the bowl games are essentially exhibition games. Yeah. And exhibition games, you know, they 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 historically, you know, look back in the day, it's all what college football was, right? It's sort of they were all exhibition games, but they had more of a. Uh, you know a grand finale kind of feel then when the college football playoff came in I think all those other games sort of took a much larger step backwards and so then the exhibition games have some they got some real value right there there's still opportunities to build the program a few extra weeks of practice and perhaps you know one of the other one of the other key elements to these is this this is sports marketing 101 right so you know Mm. you've got you know everything from the craft fight hunger bowl to uh, you know every bowl has a corporate sponsor at this point i believe every bowl still has a corporate sponsor i don't know if the rose bowl actually added one but these are opportunities for the teams to build their brands by putting their names out there for another you know three three and a half hours And an opportunity for corporate America to attach itself to transfer some of the glow of college football to their to their individual brands.
1: Yeah, they they get to benefit from a free workforce. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that, I think you summed it up nicely, Mike. Bowl games, I, I personally think. Have more to do with the marketing side of sports, branding. I I do think it's good for colleges to build their programs. I know it's it's viewed as a big win, you, you know, from a recruiting standpoint to win your bowl game and kind of end the season on a win. Um, beyond that, though, the significance is is definitely highly in question by uh, by many fans.
0: Okay, so two key stories. Get into the yes. to, to the heart of the episode here. Two key stories this weekend one of which i hate and the other of which doesn't get any better for me you know being a guy that studies and is obsessed with fandom the mike tyson roy jones fight and what is likely to come afterwards is mm-hmm. you know that's my sweet spot love that stuff uh, but before that a story i hate and i'll explain why i hate as i go on, as we go into it is the vanderbilt football program Um, so the Vanderbilt football program, Vanderbilt had a kicker, um, correct me on any of the details I get wrong, Sarah Fuller, the goalie on the soccer team. Um, so Mm -hmm. COVID related absences, uh, Sarah Fuller tried out, made the team, became the kicker and this was covered uh, And look, I I saw multiple people talk about it as this was a historical kind of breakthrough for the SEC. So she was the first female player, and and this is where it gets a little, this is starting to get into why I kind of dislike the story. So looking at the coverage, there have been a couple of other women that had played Division I football, but she was, or FBS... But she was the first one that had played in a Power Five conference, right? So it's this mm-hmm. kind of moving of the goalposts, as it were, to make this a historical first. What I hate about this story, well, let, let me ask you a question, and then I'll tell you why I, what I hate about this story, though. It's probably pretty obvious. Do mm-hmm. you want to talk about this story, or do you feel like you got to tread carefully?
1: <laughs> Definitely got to tread carefully in this day and age, uh... I did watch the game that she was uh, a part of, and so I do have my thoughts on.
0: Okay. Well, I like I said, on, if you, uh,
1: her, you her know, part in the game and how it how it was covered. I mean, it certainly was. I I personally felt like watching that game. Uh, the, she played for Vanderbilt. They played Missouri, and they lost by like forty points. And I kind of felt like it took away. Um, I it was almost as if nothing was discussed the entire game from a commentary standpoint, other than the fact that she might kick at some point. And there was a game going on uh, where one team was destroying the other team. And so it was, it was a bit humorous in my opinion from that standpoint. Uh, we didn't really get to see her attempt a like a legitimate kick, like no PATs, no field goals. And the one kickoff was like a pooch kick that was, apparently designed, according to the head coach, who's now been fired, by the way. Uh, not not related to this, but purely because of the kind of career or, uh, I don't know, wins, losses, records what? over the years. Uh, so it was kind of like, I feel like everyone wanted to see her boom it and just, or you know, see if she could kick it through an end zone or to the end zone or, or whatnot or kick a 40-yard field goal and uh, didn't come close to that. So it was a very anticlimactic buildup.
0: Yeah, well... And I think that, you know, like I, I can hear the trepidation in your voice. And I think this is, yeah. this is what I hate about the story is that there is this feeling towards it. And th- this is the problem with any kind of politics entering into sports that look, in, in some ways it's like love to debate politics and historically love to debate different, different issues. But in, in the current Era, This becomes almost a, a, a dangerous conversation. And so what I want to talk about is sort of this, uh, the issue of these dangerous conf, uh, conversations around sports, you got the feeling very quickly that this was a historical breakthrough, feel good, inspirational story. And that was mm-hmm. the only opinion that was going to be that was going to be tolerated. And in fact, I, I saw some stuff that the SEC saw reports now, I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, didn't spend a lot of time on Twitter, that the SEC was essentially blanking out any comments that were critical of the event. And so you've got this very strange situation where something happens. It's of incredible interest, right? I mean, it was the story of college football. And a good part of the conversation is shut down because it doesn't fit the narrative or it doesn't fit almost the marketing story that, that people wanted to put out there. And I think that is, that's a very bad sign for, it's a very bad sign for sports or for commentary or, or any of the, the type of discussions we have about the, the role of sports in, in culture, uh, you know, so an inspirational story, and by that I mean you know a story that captured a lot of folks' imaginations. Absolutely, I mean you can see very mm-hmm. real emotion on people. You know, the few people in the stands, and I, th- I think the emotions up for a lot of the commentators were entirely real, but it did feel a lot like a forced narrative and where dissent was not this is and again this is why i find the whole conversation so frustrating the fact that i just said dissent about mm. a college football kicker probably sums up everything that's crazy with present day with present day media
1: yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed uh, Twitter on Saturday, keeping up with it, especially when uh, when she did have that pooch kick because there were people that thought that she was trying to boom in on that one and just whiffed on it, and then there were her defenders and people acting like it was the best kick that had ever happened. Uh, I think the reason why the SEC censored some things was <laughs> because they knew that there would be comments that were rooted in in certain stances that aren't tolerated and i think from as a brand and you know how they want to portray their fan fandoms and uh you know i think it's a business move for them i really do with that said i i certainly understand criticisms of i guess the situation <laughs> vanderbilt was in where they were at that point i mean i Derek mason after the game i watched this post-game interview which is like when do i ever watch a post-game vanderbilt interview uh when there's a girl kicker so like you said like this is something that generated a lot of interest and uh he, he in his words she was their best option given the fact that they had several guys out due to covid due to injury and he didn't uh, speak as though you know, she was not limited. He kind of spoke as it, like they asked him why she did the pooch kick. And he said, we wanted to do something we knew she could do, essentially. Um, and so, you know, looking at it that way, I, I, I can understand the theory that, oh, this was, a, you know, a PR move or, uh, you know, them just trying to get pats on the back for, for being PC. But I also can understand the fact that, I mean, you got a six foot two kicker that um, is a, clearly a competitor and uh she pretty much was holding it down while they have some guys out um and i think it it did make for a nice storyline for soccer players and and girls who maybe felt that they never could compete at that level and maybe they won't you know i don't really see it becoming a a regular thing like this is breaking a barrier you know like becoming the first black running back in the nfl um but i i do think it you know, it made for a great sports story that generated a lot of interest. And for ESPN, that's a win. Uh, I think it's a win for Vanderbilt, given that they lost the game by so much. They got something that, that generated positive view of the program. Um, wow. And it was just a really interesting story that, yeah, it definitely felt overblown while watching the game, uh, given that there were a lot of other things happening that were not being covered. Uh, but I, I can't be critical of the, the young lady um, who's who's clearly a competitor and just – had an opportunity to go out there and and try to be a college kicker and, you know, did her best. So,
0: well, I I think that's, that's a nice summary in a lot of ways because you're right there. There's no criticism directed at Sarah Fuller. She had an opportunity to do something really interesting and Uh she did it. You know, I, I the coaching decision of starting the, you know, being down a lot of points and trying to pin the opponent at the 35 yard line. Might be a little bit questionable, but if that <laughs> right. was indeed the call, she executed it very well. Um, right. There is a lot of weirdness to the story, and that I, I think I saw a comment that she's going to stick with the football team. I don't know how many games they have left. Well, but, I will say
1: this: they do they do play Georgia this week. Okay.
0: So she had, well, they're probably not going to be doing a lot of kicking off in that one either, but (laughs) so she has stuck with the team longer than the, the, the coach that, that brought her in. I I think where people get into trouble, right, is, you know, and look, maybe she was the best one to, um, to show up at the tryouts, but, you know, in in the present day and age, I, I think a lot of people could, you know, rightly question that because it really did feel a little bit like a publicity stunt look Vanderbilt football got a lot more coverage on Saturday than they've gotten Mm. for the entire year um Mm. there there's a long history of uh you know and again this like I said I'm gonna say this over and over again I I hate this story because it feels like you're about to touch a, a live wire and have real trouble the words are going to be taken out of context separated but you know sports the sports world has long loved kind of the novelty act right and so you can imagine that that word that she's not a novelty she's a competitor that we're really kind of upset but something designed to attract publicity mm-hmm. um very often and look you can go down through the ages i grew up in chicago where the white Sox, bill veck was known for this stuff of you know putting the i was gonna say i don't even know what the right word is someone with a greatly reduced strike zone right he was known for this or i, I you know mm-hmm. it was just the way that almost the carna- carnival atmosphere of sports now the other story, and this one I love over the weekend, was the fight between Roy Jones Jr., fifty-one years of age, and Mike Tyson at fifty-four years of age. That included everything, including Snoop Dogg doing color commentary. <laughs> and I Best think part. what was the? Um, I'll, I'll refer. To, I'll, I'll I'll let you know. Give you a second here. What was the fight um, with some social media guy that was on the undercard?